What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we're covering everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. If this is your first time here. I'm your host, Jake Blockchain. You'll see me around on the Twitters under that name. And today, I have Bowtied Fellow on the podcast. Bowtied Fellow is a prominent member of the Stacks community. He's been putting out good content on Twitter. He is bowtied, so he's a pseudonymous account, which I find interesting. But more lately, he's been building with the Stacks DGENs team, which is a play-to-earn arcade-style racing game. And uh, they are the first GameFi game on Stacks, which is pretty dope. But they're also doing a ton, kind of at the bleeding edge, of integration with other projects, to integrating the latest technology like Ellen Swap to get you into a game, a bunch of stuff. So they're building some pretty cool things. They got a lot coming down the pipeline, and it was cool to get to know a little bit of Bowtie's background from being a sergeant in the army to what he does now as he got out getting into a sales job, which gives him the ability to you know work remote and uh, work from home, and how he got into crypto. And what he's been working on with Stacks Gens. So great conversation with this. Uh, what is what do they call him? A Gen Chad, as the Bowtides say. But yeah, so good conversation. Let me just jump right into it with Bowtide Fellow from the Stacks Gens team. <laughs> Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Fellow, how you doing, my man? Great, man. How are you doing? I am fantastic. It's it's good to have you on the pod. Um, if people don't know you, this dude is part of the Bowtie Gang. Just a little context. You were one of the first people I really like somewhat interacted with and it was in the Saivita discord i believe because we we're all mining together yeah. and yeah. i remember seeing you and bowtie munib and i didn't i hadn't been around twitter crypto enough that i even knew what bowtie was at all and for me i thought that you guys were part of like a like a gaming clan because for, for me like my halo days you'd have like your name and then you might change your xbox live tag to have some kind of like prefix in the beginning and that's how you like if you got into a lobby you're like oh fuck are these guys all like in one gang that we're about to get dominated <laughs> and i thought that's what you guys were we're the phase so, clan <laughs> exactly like you guys are, you guys are like twitch famous or something and now you're just trying to get into crypto and mine city coins so that's my first interaction with you but for people that maybe don't know fellow let's just start with a, a super brief background of uh, a little about you yeah, cool. So, um, you know, a little bit about me. I'm 25 years old. My background used to be in the military, not anymore. I came out of that as a sergeant in the army. Uh, I needed to figure out something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Uh, I was in the jungle. So if you're not familiar with the Bowtie, you know, community, the jungle, however you'd like to call it, it's basically like a a decentralized community proposed by Bowtie Bull. He was formerly Wall Street Playboys, but he had like a rebrand in 2021 to like Bowtie Bull and then launched this idea of like a degen jungle, uh, you know, in a degen island where people who are sovereign individuals, digital nomads, they speculated that the future of work is going to be remote and that people are going to start storing their wealth in crypto. And that to be able to make it and avoid the inevitable collapse of fiat currency, you got to be storing your wealth and taking down custody of your wealth, really trying to promote that accountability and that self-responsibility of, you know, trying to make it happen for yourself. And obviously, you know, by by person, it differs on what exactly it means to make it. Everyone has their own different look on what that means for themselves. But ultimately, it just means like being able to afford yourself a life of freedom and the ability to do what it is that will make you happy and make you feel like the character that you'd like to you know, be out of yourself. So in like 2021, um, that's when I really like started really seeing more about Bowtie Bull. 
I didn't really follow Wall Street Playboys too closely, like a lot of other members in the community did. But what he was saying just resonated and clicked so quickly with me, just because they're kind of ideas where maybe I'd never really took the time to articulate exactly what my thoughts were. But upon seeing his writing style and seeing the things that he was saying, it immediately made sense to me. I was always kind of like into Bitcoin since like probably like 2018 is when I first really like dove into it and got involved in Bitcoin, dabbled with Ethereum a little bit. Never had any complaints with Ethereum. I think it's like it's great what they're doing over at Ethereum. Anyone who's read my latest Substack on Bowtie Bull actually would 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 know that that I'm a you know huge supporter of Vitalik. I think he's a you know visionary and uh, he's a once in a generation kind of kind of guy. And he really kickstarted this whole concept of a decentralized web and really trying to give back to the user on internet. But anyways, I'm getting kind of lost in the sauce here. Let me bring it back a little bit about like who I am. Um, so needed to figure out exactly what I wanted to do after my life in the military. After reading Bull, he really promoted a lot of remote work, something that I wasn't doing, something that I've never done. You know, he's really big on if you don't really have like a certain aptitude towards being able to be like a quant or like get an investment bank or things like that. The most universal skill you could learn is sales. So I was looking for some sales jobs that were remote. And I ended up on a bachelor trip, coincidentally, one of my friends worked at a you know public software company as an SDR, a sales development rep. And he was telling me about it. And he was kind of surprised that I kind of knew initially what an SDR is, because I guess unless you really work in the industry or read about it, you're not really like quite like aware of the existence of this position. But he referred me to it, went through the interview process, read the material that him, Bowtie Sales Guy, Bowtie Cocoon, and Bowtie Dingo. There's a lot of sales chads in, in the jungle, but they have a bunch of resources that they posted on how to like ace the interview, how to be able to prepare yourselves for a career doing it, you know, what the perks are and how to be effective. And so just made sure to consume that, went through the interview process, uh, got the job. And uh, you know, it's been great. Definitely enjoying it. Probably going on almost six months now of working in it, looking to advance here within the next month or two. Uh, but that's a little bit on my civilian side. I don't really talk too much about that side. For the most part, you you know me because of you know my stacks bullishness, stacks to a hundred, maybe some of the projects that you know I'm working on in the space or helping contribute to at least. And and like you said, it all started from the Civita mining. I didn't really get into stacks like hardcore until maybe like July or August last year, I'd say. So you know, mainnet launched in January. I was pretty late to the game in that sense, but immediately understood it just because of my understanding of Bitcoin. I see that as the ultimate store of value. If you read Muneeb's white paper on that, you've obviously read it, um, but I'm speaking for like anyone who's listening. Uh, it will really go through. It, it's a good thesis on why it is the decentralized internet or like the user-owned internet should be built and secured by Bitcoin because a lot of us see that as like the ultimate truth and the ultimate store of value. And I'm a proponent of hyper Bitcoinization. I think over time, we're just going to see like all of the capital start flowing towards you know, the hardest asset in the world. That's Bitcoin. And then Bitcoin in itself as a store of value, not useful really enough to, to propel this further. Uh, there's a lot of like different applications that a decentralized web would help promote and really give back to you know the users of the internet. So you can kind of think of like the internet as kind of, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Kind of like taken over by like centralized entities or at least these centralized entities, no matter how, how good you feel about them or not. Uh, they have done a lot of uh, you know innovation and advancement in this space and for things that are very useful for humanity itself. But it should be, it, it should not be in the control of a, a small, tiny number of entities. And that's what you kind of see here in big tech. It should kind of be under the you know rule and control of all of the users itself. And that's something that's been promoted by Vitalik with Ethereum and now promoted by Muneeb and Stacks. You covered a lot there. Uh, very well said. I want to touch on a few things, but I'm, I am very intrigued by 
the bowtie group and for a few reasons. Now, they're pseudonymous by nature, which I think is is interesting for a bunch of reasons. And I think the the, the more we go down this path, it's going to become less weird and more accepted um, as this kind of common way to operate. I also, it seems like there's a strong ethos in the Bowtide group of practical self-improvement because you even mentioned uh, sales gigs are one of the, like, it's, it's, it has a high ceiling. It's somewhat hard and stressful mentally. I'm, I'm, I'm doing my own color, but from what I've seen from friends, but it's very practical and you don't have to go into a bunch of debt to change your life doing this mm-hmm. thing. And so there's this, there's this kind of like tweak of it's not the go to college and go into debt to maybe get a degree that's practical. It's if you want to change your life in the next six months to a six to 12 months, here's four jungle friends that can give you practical tips to go from zero to 90% really, really fast. Yeah, no, that's so true. In regards to sales, you know, it, it can be high stress starting off. It was kind of, um, you know, definitely tough to be able to get over that hurdle. But as long as you just focus, I primarily deal with like business owners. And as long as you can just get over, uh, you know, um, just, just get into the the mindset of just trying to have like a good conversation with them, understand what their perspective is, understand what problems they're trying to solve and the impact that that's having on their business or what kind of solution they're looking for to enable like a more positive impact uh, for their business to be more efficient or maybe build a stronger image online, uh, maybe be more secure financially, things like that, or being able to serve their customers more conveniently and, and being a little bit more professional to do business with, really understand what it is they're looking to accomplish with the addition of a solution. As long as you can have those conversations and get them to open up and, uh, you know, tell you about what their problems are, tell you like, uh, you know, the impact that's having on the, on their, on their business, and then try and find ways that you can, you know, help them with that all in all, like, you know, they're, that they want you to to help them solve their problems. And so in a sense, it's it's not really sales, it's more of like problem solving. So just try and understand what problems they're going through and then try and see where your solution, the you know, the the, the software that you're proposing or whatever you're selling fits in there and can help them with that. So once you get over that like initial anxiety and just try and focus on being comfortable and having those good conversations with them and also trying to have them kind of yield to you as an expert who is able to, you know, understand these problems and has solved these problems in the past for other people, then you're going to have no problems in sales. So it can start off as high stress, but once you know how to do it and you know how to, you know, talk with people, you have that certain acumen where you're able to have those conversations on that level, then there's, there's really not much more to it than just trying to get that next person on the phone that you can talk to. And Very this cool. is this is applicable anywhere too, by the way. Like, you know, software companies could go away tomorrow and I'd still be able to find something to sell. So it's always going to be something that's in demand, even in, you know, cases of like extreme despair in the world, not to get too gloomy on your podcast, but it's something that can be replicable across, you know, different industries. And it's something that's always going to be needed. So if you can get good at this and good at being able to solve other people's problems with, you know, good solutions, then, you know, you're, you're squared away, you know, you can make something happen yourself. And at the same time too, and there's a lot more of an incentive I noticed because this is my first job that I've ever had where it's commission-based. So, you know, what you get paid is based on the amount of effort you put in. I didn't get that from any of the other jobs I've done. In fact, it's always kind of, I've always come in and done the job. I've always been kind of a high achiever. I want to like do good for my bosses. But at the end of the day, if I'm not incentivized to perform like that 10% better or get that 1% better every day, like say you you put in like 20% more effort today than you did yesterday, that's not going to be reflected on your paycheck. However, if you do that in sales, if you try and put in more effort, you try and get better at it, you're going to start seeing those results and you're going to start seeing your pay go up as well. So it's just something that kind of gets you a little bit more excited to get up in the morning, go to work. And that's something that I really kind of craved, uh, you know, some kind of like purpose not saying you know working like a you know base job doesn't have its purpose there's always a place for for everyone really but 
just something to be able to internalize and really like, you know, exert your willpower towards and just always focusing on getting that 1% better every day. That's something that we talk about a lot at work. And uh, I've seen it actually in the, in the, you know, in the community, in the bow tie community, in the stacks community, like many times as well, just focusing on that 1% better every day. And over time, you're going to start seeing the results in yourself and you're going to be seeing the results elsewhere as well. Well said. You, uh, you sold me. I think I'm just going to shut down this podcast and <laughs> become, become bow tied something or other and uh, just make a million dollars selling whatever I need to do. Hey, there you go, man. Hey, make a million dollars selling built on Bitcoin, right? You're, <laughs> you're a- in the business of selling too, and you don't even know it. No, I, I I totally agree. Like sales, sales, you're really just in the in the people business, and bad salesmen uh, do the. I think they probably have the big problem of mistaking because I'm a hammer and I sell this thing, everything is a nail, and so they don't judge the situation properly. Yeah. When a good salesman really teases out, like, is my product even for you? And if it's not, you got to shut it down because there's there's no point selling a customer that doesn't need your solution. So it's, it's having that awareness. That makes sense. No, to me. And that's kind of like snaky too. If you're not a good fit for someone or someone's not going to benefit from your software or that value proposition is just not there, then there's no need to force it. There's plenty of people who our software can benefit uh, or someone's product can benefit. And you don't have to be like going and trying to like shove it down everyone's throats. Uh, really, the whole objective is to try and like build partnerships with these people, right? Because, for instance, in the software that you know I'm I'm involved with, it's it's a subscription model. It's a it's paid on a monthly basis. It's software as a service. So with that, you get like you know the support and everything that goes along with that to help you if you ever have any problems with the software. That they're not going to keep paying for the software if we're not there to help them with it and continue to make advancements to it and feature upgrades that are relevant to what it is like in general these businesses are looking for. And so, you know, if you're if you're going to sell it to someone and they're not going to use it and then they're just going to stop paying for it, then that's that's counterproductive. You're just wasting your own time. You're wasting their time. You're wasting your leadership's time. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I have to say about that. I mean, you have to make sure the person's qualified for the software and you, you have to make sure you get in the business with the right people who are going to understand the value and actually use use the software itself to be able to help them accomplish their business objectives. Clearly, I find this super interesting. I have no idea if the built-on Bitcoin audience is as nerdy as we are about this topic. Um, I love it, man. It's, there's, it's, it's so deep. But in, in case we've already tuned them off, um, see if we can corral them back. I, I am curious though, because before we get to some of the things that you've been having your hand in and building, uh, the pseudonymous part is, like I said, it's interesting. And I think I think we somewhat see the benefits of it, like especially in crypto, there's a lot of, of risk of being outed depending on what you're doing. But th- there's downsides too, where like, you know, we have a big Bitcoin conference coming up and mm-hmm. I'll never get to meet fellow for sure, like face to face. It'll be like on the down low and I'll have to like sign an NDA and I can't. No, nah, man, one day, one day. So there's different levels to it. I think Bowtie Bull takes it the, the most seriously. He's insanely good at it. I'm kind of like a newbie to this way anonymous life. Probably doing a pretty bad job of it, honestly. <laughs> but, but, um, but for the most part though, I mean, there... I don't really understand like exactly why, you know, people need to like put me uh, and my character up with my ideas. I feel like my ideas should be able to stand on their own and the merit of what I'm trying to do and progress should stand on its own by bringing the character into it. It just opens you up to unwarranted criticisms and unwarranted attacks. And it's just something that I don't want to have to deal with in like in my personal life. I just want to be able to, Uh, you know, have my free speech, be able to say like how I feel. Obviously, if it makes people uncomfortable, then it makes makes sense for them to be able to rebuke me. But in in the current day and age, it it doesn't come to that where it's like healthy arguments about what's right and what's wrong. It really comes down to more of just like, well, I don't like you and I don't like your ideas. If people don't like your ideas or what you have to say, they'll just take you offline, they'll censor you, they'll ban you from different like social medias. And I don't really think that's cool. I mean, I don't really have anyone 
on the opposite side of the aisle from me who I'd say like, oh, I don't want their like opinions to be able to be stated by them. That's just controlling people's thoughts and people should be able to engage in a healthy manner of dialogue. It's just a shame that we don't really see that a whole lot these days, but there's nothing really you can do about it except our answer to that is just kind of protect the character, protect our personal identity uh, while trying to maintain that autonomy where we can engage with people and build cool things on the community, specifically the online community. And we can focus on promoting that user-owned internet because this is these are really just problems that will be of the past and the future. So I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm pretty sure on that part, it's just a matter of getting all the tools built up to be able to support uh, transition from web two to web three. And so in my eyes, that just, I also see money signs when I hear that. Not only do I see it as like a great gift to humanity and a great return of control back into the power of the people, but I also see it as an opportunity where we're at the forefront of something tremendous, like honestly, a, a cataclysm that only comes around every few generations or so. And so might as well try and capitalize on it. One, 100%. I just, you exploded my brain for a second there. Cause I, 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 I totally agree on the, the, the amount of things that are shifting at like a deep level, whether it's like base level ownership of assets or decentralization, or the fact that, um, the being pseudonymous does it removes all the ad hominem attacks and all the other things that kind of culture is currently playing with. And it just forces you to focus on what are they saying? And there's, there's still some level of consistency with a pseudonym account. Like I know for roughly what fellow stands for, because I can see it over time. I still kind of have like a persistent avatar and like a character of who you are. So I can put trust in, the mm. thing the thing that you're building um so I, I don't even know what question to ask i just agree i think that going down this path long enough especially in in the internet where um you know i don't have to have my physical presence it's just what can i deliver to you there's a big potential for a beautiful bright future well, we can talk about the downsides to being like anonymous too, because there are definitely those downsides as well. Uh, you know, first things first is like, uh, as an outsider, you're looking at someone who's anonymous, immediately you have this sense of distrust. Like you said, over time, you're able to analyze and really like figure out what the character is behind the avatar. But that is one of the downsides where initially it, it just makes sense. Like say, say for instance, like, you know, there's plenty of teams out there and there's been plenty of, you know, rugs, you could say that, that have happened on like Ethereum, for instance, that have been perpetrated by like anonymous accounts. And who's to say that they're not able to just delete that account and just create a new anonymous account and then gain that trust and favor from, you know, people again, build another community and then just keep doing that to others. So there are definitely the downsides of that. And I think the pro to being bowtied is it kind of helps address that where now there's not just your own individual character, but there's the character of the community. And you can tell, you know, who like the legitimate bow tied are or not. I'm not going to like try and like tell you like the illegitimate. <laughs> uh, that's that's not the purpose of, of what I'm saying. But I will tell you that, you know, being a part of that community, it gets you to open up more. And even though we're all anonymous and we don't really know everyone's full names, what we look like, where we're all like geographically located, the ideas have manifested themselves to the point where we all feel this sense of belong and we don't really want to give up our our you know anonymous identity per se because now we feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves so i don't know that's not really a great answer to you know go over the trust issue but as far as being a part of the community you learn who it is you can trust and in fact I found plenty of people in the Bowtie community who 
you know, you, you could say like, maybe like, oh, this person claims to be like a lawyer, like maybe they're like a fraud. Well, okay, like go and have a conversation with them because when it comes time that, you know, you need someone like a lawyer to get their quick opinion on it, nine times out of 10, someone in the jungle will be willing like for free to meet with you just to like say what's up and maybe like answer any questions that you may have. And then you'll be able to really see their expertise and you'll be able to tell like who is who they really say they are. And so that's something that's, you know, really nice about being part of the Bowtie community is that I personally, being a part of it myself, feel a lot of like trust towards some of these people to the point where like I've literally worked on projects and I'm currently working on projects with people who are, you know, actively anonymous. And I'm not worried for a second about what the outcomes are going to be. So I think that's a uh, that's an important downside, though, to point out for sure. It's not like everything's all like, you know, dandelions and rainbows with being anonymous. There are those downsides that people need to be aware of. But at the end of the day, you have to identify the ideas and you have to be able to, you know, see who you can trust and who you can't and really just do your research and and really be able to uh, see people's merits for what it is rather than, you know, see merit based on their identity. I want to touch on one more little topic of of the, the pseudonymous trust uh, topic before we switch, but I I think that was a great answer. And it, it sounds like the the hardest part with being pseudonymous is the initial trust factor is harder, so it takes a little longer on the on the jump to gain someone's trust. I can also see maybe, and tell me if you agree with this, but the opposite side of the distribution, where like how far you can go into trust, like if you you've built up trust with some of the bowtie guys over time. If you could also, in say a, um, uh, a safe way, if you will, like you meet with other bowtie guys and you're like, no cameras, no whatever, but as, let's just talk ideas and like vibe in person. Do you think that you would trust them more in that regard? Or would that be too much risk and downside? Well, I've done that. I've, I've done that already. So I okay. have, I have met up with people in, in Florida great group of people it's on twitter so i mean like i'll, I'll give them the shout out but uh, you know sponge patriot lindy camera uh, and tuna Tuna's actually my bro but uh, we went down there we were in florida one weekend and uh we met up and uh yeah absolutely you know i've i've spent so long talking to these people and engaging with them and you know talking to them on the sides as well I didn't feel like, you know, my safety or anything was at risk at all with them. So, you know, I felt perfectly comfortable with being able to go and meet them. I'm obviously not advocating for everyone to now go and just go meet that, you know, that internet friend that they have. But, you know, <laughs> maybe though, you know, it worked out in, in, in my case. So it's all a matter of figuring out where your line's at with that trust and if you don't trust someone enough to meet them in person, then just don't meet them in person. You know what I mean? Super interesting. I love this topic too. But let's let's get into what you've been building and helping out with. It seems like you're doing a couple of things, although I really don't know enough about Theo Petra, but I saw on your Twitter that you are a board member. So we could either talk about Theo or we could talk about Stacks DGens. I'm open to, to either one, whichever one you want to attack first. Yeah, I'd love to talk about Theo Petra, but I'll be honest, my contribution to that project has been kind of um, lacking because of my involvement with Stacks DGENs. There's been like some, you know, because of like having a full time job, trying to keep up with the gym and my personal life and being able to, you know, help Stacks DGENs get themselves from that ground floor to like being able to become established online. There's certain sacrifices I had to make. I uh, wish I could be more of a part of Theopetra right now, but unfortunately I'm kind of like hands off on that one right now, but love the project. Uh, if you're not familiar with Theopetra, definitely go check them out. Essentially what they're trying to do is find a way to bring real estate on chain. And it's something that's, you know, being pursued by a lot of different entities on a lot of different chains out there. But the way that they're planning on going about it is is very unique. Uh, they're getting like the off-chain infrastructure kind of established uh, as far as you know the entities necessary to be able to you know do these loans for people and be able to uh, essentially create some sort of synthetic ownership type system with Theopetra. Some people would call Theopetra like the landlord, but it's not really true because there's like this synthetic contract that, you know, if, if you buy a home through Theopetra, 
And none of this is, you know, me like legal or financial advice. This is a product that's up and up and going. And there are changes, you know, that, you know, have been made to the product that's been proposed because of various roadblocks that may be encountered through legal uh, that's been identified by the team. But essentially, it's trying to find a way to compete with entities like BlackRock where they're heavily focused on being able to consume as much real estate as possible, including residential. And it's really forcing a lot of people out of home ownership, which is really like the number one way that our parents, for instance, were able to generate wealth for themselves. Our, our current generation's kind of being priced out of that luxury. So we're being priced out of homes and forced into crypto from, from the way that I look <laughs> at it. But I think there's a true you know, uh, unifying bond being made between the two here with Theopetra. So definitely a project to keep your eyes on. But I will say that I have not been as hands-on with that one as I would like to be. Well, that's that's good timing because I have I'm having Bell on the podcast next week to Beautiful. to talk about it and because he was on the the City Coins Builders call this past Wednesday and I was just blown away like I couldn't I couldn't believe what I was what I was hearing and his his ability to deliver a clear message on a topic that's kind of tricky uh, I was pretty impressed with so I was like bro I got to get him and on he's the podcast he's definitely going to be more elegant than I than I just was trying to explain it um, yeah. It yeah. is very complicated and he's really good at breaking down the basics. Yeah. I, I had the same experience earlier today where I was like, yeah, I'm going to interview this guy doing Theo Petra. And he's like, oh, what does he do? And I tried to give like a, a 10 second response. And I just <laughs> sounded so stupid, bro. Like just, just delete what I just told you and get all it's just in the podcast in a week. Like <laughs> just say they're bringing real estate on chain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even, even that, like if you're not in the crypto, you're like, what's a chain got to do with all this? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, okay. Then let's then let's jump right into it. Um, man, we've been talking for a half hour and just 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 vibing. I usually try to end these about that time, but let's go for another. You got another fifteen or so in you? Absolutely. Then let's then let's definitely talk stacks degens and maybe just do a super brief overview. But I want to get into some of the nuances of what you guys have actually been developing because I think you guys are really at the forefront of collaboration when it comes to to across projects and also some super innovative and cool incentive structures. So that, uh, I want to get into the nuances, but for someone who doesn't own a Stacks DGEN, hasn't played the game yet, what is Stacks DGENs? Stacks DGENs, you could consider it a DGEN racer. That's the name that we might be going for with it in the future. But the game right now that we have itself, um, it's a racing game. It's a web-based racing game built on Stacks, secured by Bitcoin. We're trying to be the first GameFi project on Stacks. And so far, I'm really, really proud of the team and our efforts in being able to try and make that happen for ourselves. So first, I'll go off by like you know stating who the team are. Uh, we're predominantly bowtied, <laughs> coincidentally. <laughs> so there's bowtied Sir Jonathan. He was the founder and the guy who kind of spearheaded Miami DGENs, which is our first collection of racers. They're a collection of 420 skeletons riding in Lambos. And it was uh, really a tribute to the launch of Miami Coin because that's when he launched that collection. Obviously, 420 of them in a collection to get that you know <laughs> maximum DGEN effect. But the the idea came about because uh, initially you, you remember when Stacks Punks came out and there was they were like the first big NFT collection and marketplace on Stacks. Uh, it, it was really fun being able to like you know buy those and try and flip them and things like that. Uh, it, it was really the first kind of instance of you being really able to engage in NFTs like you can on on Ethereum. But there wasn't really a Discord or anything like that organized. Obviously, now there is. The team behind that project is Stacks Art. Uh, they're doing a great job being able to create a marketplace for you know other collections to launch on there as well, helping promote other projects and helping you know artists and people with these collections, being able to get themselves kicked off and squared away and get that contract deployed to establish their contract and things like that. Um, but you know, they're, they're very, they have their own Discord. Highly recommend you check them out on Twitter. But initially, they didn't have a Discord. So the community, the Saxpunk community ended up, you know, building one themselves. And it was spearheaded by Bowtied Sir Jonathan. And once the Sax Art came around to establishing a Discord and engaging more of the people, we kind of just converted that Discord into, you know, 
Miami DGEN's Discord because Sir Jonathan wanted to launch his own collection as well. And that was Miami DGEN's. This was back when there wasn't really any plans for a game. But fast forward to when New York City Coin launched, he wanted to launch a tribute to New York City Coin as well. So we launched New York. I say we, I wasn't really an integral part of this project. I chat with Bowtie Sir Jonathan here and there, maybe like offer him my advice and things like that. But I didn't really start getting involved until this launch of New York City DGENs. We just call them New York DGENs. And these are like aliens and they're riding around or like Martians. Then they're riding around in Bentleys. And so once he launched these two collections, uh, he was telling me about how he's he's got this guy, Bowtie Deployer. <laughs> and he's a big developer. He's been learning Clarity. He has experience building, building web pages, experience in hackathons, experience in game development. And he joined the team and wanted to help Sir Jonathan build a game around this collection. And I thought that was like a brain blast idea because there wasn't anything like this going on in Saks. I haven't even heard or seen anything even close to this uh, as far as bringing GameFi to Stacks until I heard about them. So I was interested, had them on a Twitter space to talk about it more. And then from there, like I just like, kept talking with them and they're like, hey, like, you know, we could really use like your your advice because you seem very knowledgeable, seem like you're squared away and seem like you can like be be of some good help to us if you're up for it. So I ended up formally joining their team. We launched our game on Christmas last year, and then we started our first tournament on the New Year's. And really what it is is at its essence is it's a racing game. It's a retro arcade style pixelated racing game. And the way to play it is you have to have one of these DGENs. That's like essentially your key. So once you connect your wallet to our site, your Hyrule wallet to our site, We'll generate the in-game graphics for your specific DGEN, and then you can race that person in-game. The obvious next step to that was being able to find a way that you could earn crypto rewards through it. So we've just been hosting these tournaments where a certain number of the stacks that we've raised through the minting process, we just dedicate to giving back to the players to try and like build that audience and build those users and try and get people to come check out the game and play the game. So we, we were offering up like Saks rewards and now, now our, um, well, I'm kind of skipping a step here too, right? Cause after that, we wanted to find more communities to integrate into the game and we ended up finding a way to integrate the Stacks punks that we were just talking about into Ferraris F40s and have them raceable in the game as well. If you own a Saks Punk, you can still do that. If you'd like to race your Saks Punk in the game, you can go check out our Degenerator and you can pick which Saks Punk you'd like to integrate and you can get your own, you know, customized, personally customized Saks Punk to race in the game and, you know, be entitled to earning these rewards as well. So that was, that was a really cool thing that we did. I think that's when we really started realizing what was possible and our priorities right now are just trying to find a way to further that community engagement, build that user base and try and make it a little bit more, um, capabilities for players in the game. And so right now we have player rewards pools coming soon and we have lobbies coming soon in which starting out, we're, we're going to be organizing these lobbies and kind of consider them mini tournaments, but basically, you know, players will go and compete uh, against other players in these mini tournaments. And so we haven't necessarily figured out what the payout will look like for that, but we have figured out exactly where the payouts will be coming from and they'll be coming from a player rewards pool for each respective lobby. So you're going to have X amount of players commit X amount of stacks or city coins or really whatever stacks native cryptocurrency they want, even Bitcoin, because we have a Bitcoin API via the help of Lightning Network Swap, LN Swap. I don't know if you're familiar with their projects. We have their integration in our game to help us with being able to not just be capable of using Bitcoin to, to raise for rewards as well. If you'd like to create a lobby uh, where players have to commit Bitcoin and compete for that Bitcoin in these player rewards pools. But also because of the fact that to race when the player rewards pools launch, uh, you have to confirm your transaction first, right? Uh, so you have to be able to send in the appropriate amount of coins to the player rewards pool before you can record your run. and 
we all know that sacks will have like congestion issues from time to time. And even if it doesn't, sometimes it can take maybe like anywhere from like five minutes to a half hour for the transaction to confirm. And that's a long time to be waiting around to be able to race for like two minutes in the game. So by integrating the Bitcoin Lightning Network into it, you'll basically be able to start racing right away because of the integration of Lightning Network. So we have those player rewards pools coming. So players will be able to commit X amount of coins to compete in some sort of lobby, either organized by us or organized by the community. If they're organized by the community, they can be private lobbies, they can be public lobbies. At its essence, we really see it as a great way of being able to have players truly earn rewards and not really have to rely on the team to manually distribute rewards from our minting proceeds. Now we have it where like, okay, if you think you're a good enough racer, and by the way, all racers have that same advantage right now. They all race the same. There's no unfair advantages for anyone or anything like that. There may be in the future where we integrate some different kinds of NFT customization where maybe different types of components will affect your race and your gameplay in some different um, you know, shape or form, such as taking into account things like weight, traction to the road, speed, maybe power and things like that. That's down the line. I don't want to get too caught up in talking about that right now. Uh, in the near term, though, these, this rewards pool will... Um, be it's it's going to be it's it's going to be really exciting um do you have any questions so far i've kind of like talked a lot about this um for a long time do you have any questions real quick uh no i have a i took notes from your medium post and just in general doing some research and i think in that last little diatribe you covered every single thing i have on my card so (laughs) so i have no more questions for you at all so if you have anything else to add feel free but yeah, you that was that was a perfect riff. You you covered everything. Essentially, we're just trying to bring GameFi on stacks and there's no one really at the forefront like this. There's obviously some really exciting NFT collections out there, right? Don't get me wrong, but I'm strictly speaking of our project not in the sense that we're an NFT collection solely. Um, we're really like the gaming platform for the most part and really like an innovation company, really trying to build these open source on-chain contracts that really anyone in the community who would like to build these games can use too, such as like the the generator, you know, it's an open source contract that's deployed on chain. If someone wanted to create that for their own project, they could, you know, more than they're more than capable of going ahead to do so. So really it's just really setting that foundation for, you know, other entities in the community to start building on top of uh, hopefully our success. Man, that, that, I think that's a mic drop moment. Like you covered so much. I even think that towards the end there, you said that you guys are you're just trying to be innovators. And it reminds me of Bezos said early on about Amazon, like we're not a bookstore, we're a software company. And that's like the thing they did the best is that they didn't just try and ship things faster. They use software to make all parts of the process more efficient. Um, but just to, just to touch on, because you covered a lot, I want, I want to touch on all the things that you guys have been doing because you guys use City Coins early, which you guys are one of the first ones to do it. Uh, collabing with a ton of different projects from the OG Stacks Punks. Um, I think you guys have some some music stuff with the Saints, potentially, I heard. Um, the rewards pools is super interesting. I love that idea because especially as a gamer and I'm competitive, I will for sure put up some of my money and think I'm going to beat some people in a private lobby. So, you know, I could see some like some five stacks pools, but also some like if you got balls, you put it 500 and, you know, <laughs> you get you get one lap to do it all and, and then see how it goes. Like these are these are very innovative ways that, uh, you know, that the tech is already there for somewhat like they you just have to deploy the right contract and make the functionality usable so that people now you put it out into the world and just see how it blossoms. And you've and you've also solved some of the issues of funding, where instead of taking money from the mint and distributing it how you can and having to keep kind of like going back to the hand that feeds by more minting, people can just do it amongst themselves. That, yeah. That's that's yeah. super interesting. Yeah, yeah. It, it it kind of eases the burden on us as well because we don't want to have to be reliant on just being like keep launching more NFT collections to be able to get the, you know 
the stacks necessary to give back to the players. We want it to be a little bit more self-sustaining and efficient. And so we think this is a, a great way of having players being able to compete and earn if they're able to accept the stakes and go for it, but also allowing us the opportunity to try and like make some from commission uh, in that sense as well, so that we can continue to, to build out and innovate more features that the community would like to see. And I think you'll, you're going to be really excited about a lot of the things that are coming. The team's, team keeps coming up with great ideas. Uh, there's no shortage of great ideas. Uh, specifically, one of the things that we're really excited about, and this is probably what our main focus is going to be on once well, okay, so once the lobbies and the and the um and the player rewards pool launch, uh, first we're gonna have to roll that out probably fairly strategically because we don't want to overwhelm the community with too many things at once. So we're gonna figure out and you know obviously let you know exactly what that's going to look like. But after that, like the uh, allowing maximum customization and personability of your NFT itself is going to be a priority of ours because that just makes it more fun and enables some sort of like mystique and discovery about it, especially when we get around that V2 where, you know, different attributes and different in-game items are going to affect your gameplay in different ways. It's going to be really exciting. And we're going to kind of foreshadow that over the course of us launching one, the garage where you will be able to go and customize your NFT. To do that, we're probably merging all of the collections into one and there's going to be a big burn event. So we'll release more details on that as it comes around the corner, but we're going to be incorporating loot boxes as well. We're working on the contract for loot boxes. Um, if you're not familiar, not you, but if like anyone who's listening is not familiar with loot boxes, integral part of gaming right now in the pay to earn gaming world right now. Essentially, it's a consumable virtual item. Uh, it's like a mystery box, right? So you earn this mystery box, a loot box, uh, you open it out, out comes some type of reward. So it could be in, um, you know, in the form of some kind of game currency, maybe an item you can use in the game or different kind of items you can attach to your characters. But we're creating the, uh, the contract to deploy a loot box function so that players can start earning loot boxes. And that's where they'll, they'll get those items. Right. And then once you get those items, you can personalize in your garage, uh, you know, to make your character uh, and your racer look exactly how you'd like it to look and try and like accumulate all of these different items based on what you think is going to be valuable for your racer. Once we do launch that V2 and once we do have different kinds of um, um, player advantages based on what those attributes look like. And that's going to be a long process that players are going to be able to try and like compete and win these loot boxes and uh, get these in-game items. Uh, we'll go over exactly what that's going to look like. It's obviously going to be, um, we don't want, it's not going to be difficult for players to be able to get these loot boxes. It's not like you have to win a championship and that's the only way you can get the loot box. Uh, we think if you're able to just compete and, and take the time to play, uh, there should be some form of giving back in that sense uh, to just to allow you to be able to uh, have that fun with that discoverability. So, you know, we're really excited for those two things to be launching. Hopefully, uh, shortly afterwards, we'll have our own like proprietary marketplace for people list to be able to, you know, similar to how Megapont does it. Megapont's really, I mean, we, we like to consider ourselves innovators uh, in, in the SACS ecosystem. Megapont is really, um, you know, they're, they're really at the forefront of a lot of really great things as well. For example, like the Degenerator um, that we touched on earlier, really, um, it was kind of like uh, the, the people who really first spearheaded that was Megapont. They really gave us that idea of, of being able to have some kind of customizable area for people to uh, integrate sax funks into the game. So uh, obviously with Megapont Robot Factory, people can take their mainframe robot and customize different attributes on that robot based on how they want their robot to look. And, you know, we, we wanted to have something similar like that for DGen um, through the Degenerator. But 
Similarly, they also have their own marketplace just for Megapont, you know, collections. And coincidentally, it, it, it's one of the top marketplaces right now in Stacks. And we just see it as a convenience factor too. Just like if while everyone's on the game, playing the game and trying to like trade and accumulate these items, they might as well be able to freely transact those as well. So, you know, a lot of really exciting things coming. I'm kind of dropping it all on you at once. Um, do you have any <laughs> do you have any questions? No, I think I think we can start to bring this to a close. I just man, like if people's heads aren't spinning right now, um you weren't listening. Because... I could talk all day about this too, by the way. So and I could listen all day, bro. So I gotta stop both of us. Uh but I mean, I really do think that you guys are blazing trails and you're doing it right. Like the the idea of owning an NFT is powerful, but if you're going to own an NFT in a game, you want to be able to customize it and make it your own. Like it just makes it way, it goes to a different level. And even right before this call, just one little tidbit. Um, and again, go, you guys doing the right thing. Like I, I personally think that what pseudo Zach is doing with Ellen swap is the single most important thing in stacks right now. And the amount of people who like, just before I got on this call, this guy was like, he wanted to mint a Stacks MFR, but he doesn't want to KYC anywhere. And so he was like, do you know where I can get Stacks like super quickly? I don't want to miss the mint. And I was like, uh, well, if you have Lightning Bitcoin, you can go to lnswap.org and get a decent amount. Like you can't go crazy with it, but you can get enough to, to do your mint. It'll happen really, really fast. And I think that the combination of what Zach is doing, making it an easy to integrate widget, um, that you can just scan a lightning QR code, which everyone's becoming accustomed to through Venmo and Cash App and mm -hmm. Square and Strike. I think it's going to be the onboarding ramp for Stacks in a year or so. Like everyone, it's going to be the default way that if you're not in Stacks, you're going to buy in that way. And um, mm -hmm. any game that or any widget, any platform that doesn't have that as an added bonus is just going to be missing the mark. Is is that's my that's my kind of like Nostradamus calling it, and you guys are doing it already. So just yeah. way ahead of the curve. So props to you guys. Yeah, absolutely. the The point being is this is not a zero sum game. There's a lot of people trying to contribute to this ecosystem right now, and there's so many like great projects out there that I can't even keep up with them. Honestly, it's just a matter of trying to be a part of that too, and be able to share in that success with them. And if we can build something that you know gives back to maybe some of these other communities, uh, that's that's a that's a really good thing uh, in my eyes. And because there's been a lot of communities out there so far uh, and a lot of like the partners that we've made so far where they've done a lot for us. And it's, it's truly an incredible thing to really just have this, you have this competitive factor where, yeah, you want to be like, you know, the number one project, the one that everyone has their eyes on, but there's something here for everyone. And there's of something of benefit that everyone has to offer to each other. And it's just a matter of, you know, not seeing, yourselves as necessarily like competitors per se, but seeing yourselves as like collaborators, like how can I contribute to the growth of the SACS ecosystem? At the end of the day, that's what it comes back to. That's a perfect fucking way to end it. So I'm just going to leave it right there. Bowtide fellow. I appreciate you coming on the show, my man. Yeah, I think we hit exactly an hour. So that's based, but thank <laughs> you so much for having me on. And we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do this again sometime. You're gonna have to keep in touch for sure. hundred percent we'll do a round two. Uh I think you just claimed the title as my longest show to date. So beautiful. Uh con congratulations as as a, a true degenerate degenerate. But I beat yeah, Pat man. Stanley. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Awesome, man. You take care. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting now, I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out. Make it out, cause I don't think about everything going wrong.